0: Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck.
1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you joined us today. Today we're gonna be talking about a new report that is advocating that we need state level legislation concerning K through 12 climate change education. This report was put out jointly by the Center for Green Schools, uh, which is a part of the US Green Building Council, USGBC and uh, the Campaign for Environmental Literacy. And today we're joined by both uh, Anisa Hemming, who is the director for the Center of Green Schools for USGBC, and Dr. James Elder, who is the founder and director for the Campaign for e- Environmental Literacy. Anissa, I'd like to start with you and welcome you back to Go Green Radio. It's been a minute since you've been on. Um, but the report that we're gonna be talking about today, uh, it's entitled State Level Legislation Concerning K K-12 climate change education gives some important definitions that I think that we should hit before we get into this discussion because I think it will frame our discussion a little bit for our listeners. So help us understand both the term climate change education and climate science education. Sure.
2: And thanks for having us on today. Um, nice to be with you. I, th- I think the, it would be important to start with climate science education. So this is learning about the natural forces that control the climate. So just, you know, what, what is happening with our climate our, um, and then the, all the systems involved in that. And then climate change education, we've defined in this paper as um, interdisciplinary learning about the relationships between that, those climate systems and human systems. So that is education that includes like social and economic systems, technology, and the scientific aspects of, of climate change. So it, it looks across those disciplines and um, um, explains to students what's happening between um, our, our human world and the natural world
1: important to understand. Thanks for for clearing that up for us. And Jim, I want to welcome you to Go Green Radio. It's great to have you on and I'd like for you to help ensure that our listeners understand the terms climate change literacy and climate justice.
3: Sure, and I echo uh, Anisa's thanks for having us on. Um, literacy is really the end product uh, or the end result of good education. So climate literacy would be the end result of a good climate change education uh, uh, program or, or, or initiative. And what it begs is what is literacy uh, or climate literacy specifically. And the climate literacy community hasn't really come to a consensus on that question. Um, And it's also very likely to be defined very differently at the state and the community level than at some sort of uh, national or or even global level. So for example, in Louisiana, kids might need to learn about wetlands, whereas that's much less of an issue up here in Massachusetts where I am. So, so that's kind of a sense for the difference between education and, and literacy. Um, climate justice uh, is really the exposure of poor and marginalized communities to things like hazardous waste and pollution and uh, resource extraction, and really the disproportionate exposure uh, of those communities to those sorts of events. And. <clears throat> The climate justice movement is really an attempt to uh, bring some equity and some fairness to the way that we're uh, moving forward with um, our climate plans and our our climate initiatives, and hopefully in in such a way that the impacts are not disproportionately uh, realized.
1: Mm -hmm. Well said. Thank you for that, Jim. Anissa, I'm going to go back to you. The report lists four really compelling reasons why we should support climate change education. And the first is that parents, students and administrators are demanding it. Talk to us about what your research shows regarding this issue.
2: There are a couple of aspects of this, of this argument that, you know, this is what people want who are working and, and learning in schools. So one of the aspects of this argument is that um, teachers and adults, and that includes parents, are, are agreeing on the importance of including climate change education in schools. So uh, Yale's program on climate change communication uh, cites a stat of 77% of U.S. adults. And um, NPR did a poll uh, where they found that 86% of U.S. teachers um, agree that we should have some climate change education in schools. So this is something that there, there seems to be pretty broad agreement that we need to be educating students on the impacts of climate change and what they can do about it and how to understand what's happening in their world. Um, the other thing that we uh, cite, in the paper is um, a, a real clamoring from teacher groups um, who are asking for support, uh, sort of higher level support um, in their ability to, to bring these topics into the classroom. So um, we, we know that there is some, some culture wars going on around sure. what's taught in the classroom. And despite this pretty broad agreement among adults that, you know, that students should be learning about climate change, there are a few voices that are loud and that are, you know, telling teachers not to bring this kind of content into the classroom. And so groups like National Science Teaching Association, the uh, National Association of Geoscience Teachers, Association of Biology Teachers, um, have come together and, and really called for support for teachers who, who want to prepare their students with, with the information that they need about climate change. And so, um, so there's, there's sort of the, the agreement that this is needed, and then there's also the, the, the call for um, some, some um, protection, some, some airspace mm-hmm. coverage for these teachers who want to bring it into the classroom.
1: Sure, I mean, in my own world, you know, with the nonprofit that I I run, the Go Green Initiative, we work in a lot of school districts and we have one region, and I won't mention where, where two cities in the same state that are right up next to each other. I mean, they are as juxtaposed as two cities can be. In one of those, you know, local school districts, climate change, education is embraced, encouraged, universally there is no pushback from the community whatsoever and in the town right next to it the exact opposite and so these are located you know in the same almost the same zip code and uh, and this is what we're seeing so very interesting Jim I'm going to go to you the report states that another reason to support climate change education is to help our communities act to both mitigate and adapt to our changing world help our listeners better understand this point in the report
3: so um, that phrase you just quoted, mitigation and adaption to, the, to a changing world, it's, it's a small phrase, but I think everybody is starting to get a sense for how huge uh, an effort it's going to require. It's really a total game changer for almost every aspect of society. And in order to make that sort of transition um it it's not going to be driven solely by policy or um, by money or or other uh, n- large forces it's really going to require a collective effort on everybody's part um or at least most of every, most everyone's part uh without without all those Aspects coming together. We're just not gonna get where we need to go and yet What studies are showing us are that uh, is that? um, Most people are illiterate when it comes to climate and it's pretty hard to make the sort of transition uh, That's needed if people don't really understand what it's about and where it's going. They can't support it. They can't get behind it. They can't play their part. There's also some evidence that um, people who are more literate uh, are three times more likely to take appropriate action. So there's a real uh, incentive to start to bring people up to speed on what these issues are and how climate works and how it impacts them and how they impact the climate, and when you look at a community, um, that that community is making decisions on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. The in our case, in our community here, it's the board of selectmen, um, it's the uh, various entities that run various departments in the city, in, in this town, and if they both understand how their decisions impact our climate, and if we as their um, constituents can support more climate-appropriate decision-making, then uh, there is a shot at this phrase, mitigation and adaptation to a, Mm -hmm. a, a changing world.
1: Well said, Jim. Anissa, the report states that another reason to support climate change education is to support our young people as they prepare for twenty-first century jobs and careers. Talk to us a little bit more about that.
2: Well, there's there are there's a huge growth in jobs related to clean energy and renewable energy. Um and you know the, to put some numbers to that, the NREL, the National Renewable Energy Lab uh states that the clean energy industry already employs 3 million people and that number is is projected to grow significantly um and the bureau of labor statistics also projects that jobs in the renewable energy sector are going to grow much faster than the average rate of growth for for occupations so there's there's definitely a lot of opportunity for um, young people in those sectors that are really closely related to climate action and climate change um, uh, mitigation and adaptation, to Jim's points in the in the last section. Um, there's also some really specific examples of really huge employers who are looking for employees that get climate change. So, um, there's a, a recent report we cite in the in the paper about Microsoft investigating a shortage of workers with the skills that are needed for the company's sustainability goals. Uh, we also uh, cited a um, report from Deloitte um, about their commitments to educate their. Three hundred thirty thousand global employees on climate action because they need that information to make responsible choices as they do their work um, every day so um, absolutely you know, there are imp- yeah. huge employers that that need young people with these skills or any people with these skills and then there's also well this you know growth in the sectors that are closest um, related to to
1: climate change mitigation. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, we've gotta take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're gonna be talking more about this report regarding state legislation on climate change education for K through 12. So don't go away folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
4: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26 percent, 43 percent or 14 percent?
2: self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. I'm so glad that you tuned in. And if you've just joined us, let me catch you up. Today we're talking about a brand new report regarding the the reason and the, the why and the how to support state level legislation for K through 12 climate change education. The report is a joint effort between the Center for Green Schools from the U.S. Green Building Council and the Campaign for Environmental Literacy. And our guests are Anisa Hemming, who is the director for the Center for Green Schools, and Dr. Jim Elder. He is the founder and director of the Campaign for Environmental Literacy. And Jim, before we went to break, we we were talking about some of the reasons that the report states um, that for which we should be supportive of state level legislation regarding climate change education. And the fourth reason that the report gives um, is to increase national security. Now, that is a big topic. Um, we could probably spend a whole show on it. But in a couple of minutes, talk to us about how climate change education for K through 12 students, you know, is it relates to national security
3: yeah it it's it may not be immediately um intuitive to most people uh so i'll do my best we can look at national security from uh two aspects let's call it internal and external and on the from the internal perspective um climate change is likely to have significant impact and is already having significant impact on uh, the Department of Defense in terms of uh, their operational costs um, military bases that are vulnerable to uh, climate related uh, disasters um, their training their health risks um, they've they've been very clear and quite wisely recognize that it it um, cuts across almost everything that they do. And then from the external perspective, um, climate is already starting to, climate problems have already started to increase um, global political tensions, uh, various kinds of social instability like um, climate migration that's take, starting to take place, and the growing humanitarian aid that's needed from tsunamis and uh, uh, droughts and various weather-related uh, issues that have been uh, exasperated, ex- exasperated by um, climate change. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand that from a national defense perspective, from both the internal perspective and the, um, external perspective. And as I mentioned before, the Department of Defense is quite aware of this and they've issued a number of reports, um, uh, trying to, uh, or, or, or s- noting that they're going to create a climate literate, literate workforce, um, the uh, army and the Navy and the air force, um, have all created climate action or climate strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, Department of Homeland Security uh, has created a special pro- program for professionals that would recruit um, recent graduates and give them some hands-on experience in supporting the department's focus on climate adaptation and resilience. FEMA, of course, Federal Emergency Management Agency, is um, uh, what one could argue is almost solely focused on um, the impacts of climate and they too have plans to increase uh, climate literacy in the emergency management uh, community. So these dots connect in a number of different ways, and if students are getting uh, a good climate education and then going into some of these um, entities that are trying to focus or, or that are seeing how climate is making them focus on on uh, the impacts of climate, they're just going to be that much more prepared and that better off uh, to get the job done.
1: Absolutely. Well said, Jim. Thanks for that. Anissa, the report also has some really great language and, and a great section on crafting language and messaging for a climate change education bill. And I'd love to have you or Jim uh, talk to our listeners about some of the tips that are included in that section.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll say a brief something about this, and then I'll, I'll throw it to Jim who, who really took the lead on this section of the paper. But, um, you know, we, we know that the language of climate change hits differently in different parts of the U S, um, based on, you know, political leaning and sort of the, the set of beliefs that the people, um, that you're talking to have. And, um, there are elements of this reality of climate change that, um, that we can just frame differently for different audiences and, um, and still get a good result for students and for student learning. So, um, I'll I'll pass it to Jim to to walk through some of the tips that we put together here.
3: Yeah. um, The history on this is that uh, environment in general was a fairly bipartisan issue for decades, uh, kind of culminating in the 70s when a lot of environmental legislation was passed. And since then, it's unfortunately become um more partisan, and w- w- in general, we feel it it not only doesn't need to be but um it's the b- partisanship aspect is uh slowing down progress and so we're trying to urge people to think about this um with both a conservative and a progressive uh lens and so we were trying to we've tried to some of some of the values for example that conservatives particularly um, uh, hold important and and make sure that those are clear to potential advocates and so we've suggested to really uh reach a a conservative audience, an advocate could emphasize the importance of education, which is um, certainly a bipartisan uh, issue, um, and focus on some of the benefits of climate change education, for example, that it promotes uh, critical thinking. personal responsibility is important from a conservative standpoint, and it's certainly important from a climate standpoint. So connecting the dots there for people, um, we think would be helpful. It's also, we're also at the beginning of a huge, um, economic transition and there are already benefits that are accruing as a result of that, um, through, for example, um, capitalizing on on clean energy. And so emphasizing some of the economic benefits is important. And finally, um, there are strong moral and ethical arguments that can appeal across the uh, board. And I've always felt, for example, that um, it's a huge failure of our generation to be leaving this world to the next generation in far worse shape than we got it and mm-hmm. that sort of um, argument i think uh holds c- can hold great weight with um more conservative thinkers
1: mhm absolutely um yeah anisa i want to go back to you because the the report has several elements of a state climate change education bill and uh there's a couple that i'd like for you to cover that that i think are really interesting the first is including the state's ngo and non-formal learning community in planning and implementation and the second one that i'd love for you to cover is uh, provide targeted funding to the state um, department of education and to school districts. I'd love for you to talk about that.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I'll point out that these, these elements um, we've we highlighted in the report are specific to the, to what a state legislator can do. So the, the, we're looking at what legislatures can uh, what they can do in this picture of of um, climate change education. There are a lot of other players, and we highlight this in, in the report. There are a lot of other players in the education space. There's the state boards of education. There are the local boards of education. There are governor's offices. There's agency action, so the like Department of Education at the state level um, action. So, what we decided to do is just look at state legislation in particular. So everything that we've, we're, we'll talk about here, um, is driven by a state legislature. And so that kind of limits what they can do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're only one player in a big system. So, uh, one of the elements of, of, um, state legislation that we, uh, highlight is that, um, that the state can lean on its NGO community, Um, and there's a really good example of this in Washington. Um, In 2018, Washington established a climate change education program, um, and they funded that program through legislation. Um, So it was initiated by the governor and developed by this sort of group of NGOs and and, uh, community organizations, government entities, so they sort of pulled together this big group to design and develop this program, uh, but then it did need to be funded, and so that's the that was the action of the legislature. Um, but there's there, you know, they've really leaned on the expertise and the history of this work in the NGO community. Um, the other element that um, we highlight um, after that one is um, providing targeted funding um, to the Department of Education and to school districts, and this is kind of obvious you know if you require something of schools you should fund the work that it takes to do that <laughs> that extra um effort um uh, so the you know the professional development curriculum development staffing needed to sort of shift practices toward um this climate change education all of that takes resources and so um we highlighted Maine's effort the state of Maine um to pass a state appropriation that supported climate change education. They did that in 2022. Um, and they um, provided funding for a pilot program for, for professional development for teachers. Um, and that was done through partnerships with community groups. So, um, you know, it's, it was one small step, but it was a really important mm-hmm. one, you know, if they wanted something to happen Absolutely. at
1: the state level, they needed to fund it. Absolutely. You got to put fuel in the engine. You can't just build the car. Um, you got to have some exactly. kind of fuel. And so that's that's a that's a must. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about with Jim and Anisa. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
4: Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN.
0: Take a wild guess: how much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26 percent, 43 percent, or 14 percent?
1: welcome back to go green radio everybody we're talking about a report that just came out from the center for green schools um, and the campaign for environmental literacy it's a report that advocates for state level legislation for k through 12 climate change education Jim, the report uh, makes some recommendations that state climate change education bills should both incorporate climate change education across the curricula and develop and disseminate statewide model curricula. And I'd love for you to talk to us about those two elements of a good state level climate change education bill.
3: Sure. Um, In the climate education community, uh, there uh, was a long-standing argument for many years about whether we should be trying to get um, standalone courses uh, dedicated to various aspects of climate embedded in the curriculum uh, or whether we should try to infuse climate uh, principles and concepts across all disciplines because as Anissa mentioned at the very beginning it is an interdisciplinary Field and does relate to and, and involve many uh, existing disciplines, and that argument has largely uh, disappeared. And it's because what the reason it's disappeared is that people come to realize that while having a separate K through twelve climate learning track. Much the way schools have, say, a math track or a history or, or,
0: uh, uh,
3: uh, other subjects tracks, tracks, that's just not feasible. The school day is pretty much fixed and from, you know, eight, eight to three and, uh, squeezing another course in there for everybody across the country, uh, is a pretty daunting task. In addition, because of the nature of climate, Education um, and understanding climate, and the fact that it is interdisciplinary and does involve understanding um, math and science and various aspects of social studies, the infusion model, which is to try to embed climate in those disciplines, has has won won out, and that's that's what people are largely coming to see is the way the best way forward, and. Uh, so that's what we mean by um, that. Good education, climate education, really uh, infuses climate across the curricula,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, and then uh, statewide model curricula was was one of our our uh, recommendations that would basically build a, a prototype or a, a model of how you would infuse um, climate into science into uh, social studies and so on and so forth so that schools had some some place to begin um, it's it's pretty daunting for a teacher to have to start from scratch uh, and try to infuse climate into their English course for example if if they don't have any climate understanding themselves mm-hmm. or much, and don't really know what the key concept, principles and concepts are that they need to be trying to um, illustrate through through uh, the study of uh, of books, for example and, and reading so California is is a good is an example of a state that has um, really bought into this approach um and made some good progress they've managed to include uh what what they defined as the key um, climate principles and concepts into uh their science standards into their um, social studies standards their health uh education standards their history education standards um Pretty much across the board. And um, that w- we often point to them as the model uh, for uh, this particular recommendation.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anissa, there are some other. Recommendations in the report about what a good state-level climate change education bill should include, um, and, and there are several. And I want to give you a chance to talk about some of those, um, like requiring textbooks and other things like that.
2: Yeah, the the textbook one is is pretty um, closely um, closely related to the statewide model curricula that Jim was just talking about. So. You know, the example we cite for you know, making sure that textbooks align with the state standards, uh, the example we cite there is, is California, again, because they they have these principles and concepts and they're incorporated into their um, standards. And then as part of the same bill, uh, they required that um, the those principles and concepts be, be put into the in. Future textbooks. So um, that's a really important element. You know, you've got to have the books aligned with with what you expect to be taught in the classroom. Um, Another element that we um, encourage to be put into a state level bill is um, providing professional development to teachers. Um, Great example of this is in Washington, uh, which I cited earlier, Uh, but their initiative, you know, set aside funds for um, preparing Specifically, science teachers in their case to focus on climate science education, um, and there are um, there are programs that NGOs across the state provide to teachers um, to to help them learn more about climate science so that they can bring it into the classroom, and, and that's a funded effort and that's funded by the legislature.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Are there other recommendations that uh, you know the report makes that a good state climate change education bill should include that you want to cover?
2: Yeah, the the last two that we have here, and I'll just touch on them quickly. They're they're important. One is. Um, a recognition program for high-performing schools. So, the U.S. Department of Education has a recognition program called the Green Ribbon School Award, um, and that is a, a, a national recognition. It's nominated by um, participating states. So, states can opt in to nominate schools from their um, from their state, and uh, and so that that's an ongoing program. And there are a number of states that have state-level recognition programs and sort of assistance programs that then feed into the national programs. So that's a really cool model to make sure that you're lifting up um, great examples of what's happening around um, your state so that other schools can feel inspired and um, move forward on, on their own initiative. And then the final element that we have is sort of the Holy Grail of, mm-hmm. of um Of these legislative efforts and that is to have a statewide graduation requirement for climate literacy Um, and we don't really have a state example that has done this in particular for climate literacy but we do cite an example of Maryland Maryland has a a graduation requirement for um, environmental literacy Um, and in some cases around the state that includes climate change um, very specifically within that. But the, the state requirement on, in their case is an environmental literacy um, uh, graduation requirement. But that is really sort of like if you want to measure whether students are actually learning this stuff, then you have to, you have, to have some kind of requirement that when students leave school, they you know, have certain um, knowledge and skills that they're um, able to leverage within the workforce.
1: Absolutely, Jim. I, I know that this is very important to you. This idea of you know a, a recognition program. You were involved in the U.S. Green Ribbon Schools uh, program. Why do you personally feel like that is such an important component of a good climate change education bill? So
3: um, there's a dynamic in education in particular, and I'm sure in other fields as well, but uh, where um, teachers and administrators are operating in a rather complex system, uh, and the rules and and um, regulations are often either contradictory or not particularly clear, and as a result, <clears throat> in order for them to take some sort of action to do something new and different and innovative, they would often prefer to have some sort of permission mm-hmm. from some authority of some sort. <clears throat> and so it doesn't have to be formal permission. Um, it can be informal or, or, or more indirect. But we found that um, the Green uh, Ribbon Program, as an example was a way of uh, communicating to teachers across the country and administrators that uh, becoming a a green school was an important priority for, in this case, the Department of Education Mm -hmm. and the Federal Department of Education and, in many states, their own uh, State Department of Education. And that sort of... um, Validation, if you will, um, is really uh, really helpful, and and the other aspect is highlight by highlighting uh, high performing schools in in the green uh, school space. It communicates that becoming a true green school is doable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're showing you by showing you examples of schools that have actually done it. You have a uh, not only the psychological benefit of of knowing that this is possible, but you also have a bit of a roadmap uh, in, mm-hmm. in these other schools that you can follow if you need to.
1: And and I have to highlight the state of New Jersey for their Sustainable Jersey for Schools program, which I've talked about on this show many times. And um, I, I think that's one of my favorite examples of a state program where there are just a wide variety of school districts to look to for examples. And the website does a great job of actually sharing what those school districts did in order to earn that recognition so that other school districts can come right behind and replicate. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Dr. James Elder and Anissa Hemming. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We're talking about a brand new report that's come out. I'm um, talking about the state legislative issues um, when it comes to climate change education. We are advocating for K-12 climate change education at the state level when it comes to policy. And this report was put out by the Center for Green Schools and the Campaign for Environmental Literacy. And uh, Jim, I know that the report includes a model climate change education bill. What, What resources and stakeholders helped you craft that legislative example? And how do you hope that people will use that?
3: We've we've been tracking the uh, growth of uh, state climate change education bills uh, for the last uh, five to ten years. And before that, there wasn't much. There weren't many bills introduced. Um, Since then, it's started to grow significantly. And we saw a lot of um, what I would call suboptimal bills. They were, um, uh, politically and, uh, and or pedagogically a bit naive. And so we tried to, um, take the best, uh, of all those bills and put them into one bill. And uh, for example, um, there's one state that mandated that all science classes include uh, climate. And it, it, it's, a, it's a great starting point, but as Anissa mentioned earlier, no funding came along with it. So mm-hmm. teachers who had little to no knowledge and understanding of climate um, were being told they had to uh, include this into their science class And that is just naive that that's not going to go anywhere because, uh, teachers would just simply won't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so other bills have been, uh, I would say too, uh, politically, uh, biased and, and have a lot of language that isn't in them that isn't going to be accepted by both sides of the, uh, Isle, the Democrats and the Republicans together. Um, so we, 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 a, a, and the third thing is that, and Nisa also kind of alluded to this earlier. You, you can't just do one thing in this space and expect everything else to fall into place. Uh, you need to have an agreement on what it is that environmental literacy or climate literacy means and and what concepts uh, need to be learned by students. Um, you need to have that understanding then infused and built into the state uh, uh, standards and learning assessments. And then you need to um, have teachers funding for, for teachers to be trained to be able to implement that, and so on and so forth. Um, so all these pieces are connected, and it's important to think about, uh, like, a, to think about a bill from that sort of holistic perspective. That all pieces need to fit together and reinforce each other, uh, and 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 so it, it creates an integrated whole.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, Anissa, the report concludes with some very sage advice from a number of stakeholders. I'd love to have you share some of those insights with our listeners. Sure. The, the
2: um, states that we feature in the paper, you know, we reach out to advocates in every one of those states to talk about how the bill was passed, what we needed to know about their partnerships and their communication strategies and all of that, um, and, and we collected all that advice and, and sort of consolidated it into this um, one section of the report, and um, some of the highlights of that, um, there was a real focus on the power of youth. You know, young people bring a unique and optimistic perspective. Um, they They also are, you know, don't carry any of the baggage that adults might carry in advocacy, Mm -hmm. you know, that everyone knows they're there for, because they believe in what they're saying and not because they're trying to sell something or anything Mm -hmm. else. So there's a a real power in their voice. Um, There's also um, a a lot of um, advice on sort of focusing on local impact. So, you know, to reach across the aisle, to Jim's point earlier, um, making sure that that the argument is made that this is going to impact our local economy and local community um, is one way to sort of break through the noise of um, of the sort of ideological b- battles that that can rage. This is something that is um, a, a clear win for local communities if people in those communities understand the nature of climate change and how it might affect their lives. Um, So that's something to focus on as well. So those are some of the advice we got. And the bill, you know, the model bill and this whole paper, and the, you know, the one pager that comes along with the paper, they're all made for advocates, local advocates, normal people trying to talk to their state legislators, um, for them to just take with them into a meeting with a legislator or a visit to the state capitol to, to put in the hands of legislators who can do something with this information. It's very, um, tailored for that purpose. Um, so we hope people can take this, these resources, and use them.
1: It's very pragmatic. It's a very pragmatic report, um, and, and I think that it's very actionable. It was written, you know, with with action in mind, and you guys did a fantastic job with that. Jim, I want to give you a chance to share any final thoughts that you have with our listeners on this topic. Um, what would you like? What parting thoughts would you like to leave us with?
3: Well, um, building on what the two of you just said, I, I would urge your listeners to um, just jump in and get started. the The climate ed uh, community of both practitioners and advocates, and and the broader group of those who just just support the concept, um, is still really small, and. We've got a big job ahead of us, and we need a lot of help and just jumping in and trying to think through where you might um as a listener might might have the chance to uh to make a difference with education is is really um, is really needed and it may be just trying to convince your local school to uh include more climate it may Anissa mentioned, may uh, involve advocacy with your state legislature. It, it may be something as completely seemingly unrelated as trying to get your um, workplace environment uh, and, and those who work with you better educated. Um, so the, there are a lot of ways to make a contribution to to climate literacy and climate education and all of them are important and are, and are needed. And so just jump in and get started. It's not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward, particularly if you've hey. got our our uh, handbook uh,
1: That's to right. build on. That's right. Well, thanks, Jim. In about a minute that we have left in the show, same question, Nisa. What parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners?
2: Well, building on what Jim just said, you know, every little bit counts and there are examples within this paper of the fact that you know a lot of these state efforts that are now funded with millions of dollars at the state level they could use more but you know mm-hmm. they're big um started with something small like um you know like a uh, one effort within a school that was then highlighted to their neighbors and then became a district program, and then the district program got picked up by other districts. So this stuff can really snowball, and so um, every little action helps.
1: Thank you so much. I want to thank Anissa and Jim for being with us today and for this tremendous report. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in as well. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.